0: You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network,
1: your team every day.
0: Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans in NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, literally wherever you get your podcast from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credentialed member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at NOLA, Jake on Twitter, here with y'all on this Tuesday. uh, Second show of the week as we're back to five days a week here on Locked On Pels. we got a good bunch to talk about. First and foremost, we have an update on how the NBA is going to do their awards, and it's not good for Zion. I'm here to tell you, I know you're all going to hate me for this, Zion won't win Rookie of the Year. We'll look at that in the first segment. It's not, that's not a bad thing. I'll explain why. Then we are going to chat about the Trail Blazers. They are currently in the ninth spot facing off against New Orleans in these final eight games. We've got Mike Richman of Locked on Blazers who's going to join me to chat about them and their outlook. Plus, finally, we are going to look at the roster. We have the official Roster for the Pelicans now it's come out. We know who Sundarius Thornwell is replacing. And then we'll catch up on Niccolo Melli as well as we gear up for the NBA's restart. So let's dive into it all in today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. So it came out recently, just the other day, that the annual performance awards, MVP, Rookie of the Year, Sixth Man, Defensive Player, Coach, etc. will all be based upon regular season performance through March 11th. That's when the season was suspended. It's not going to take into account these eight seeding games that the NBA is going to be playing here in about a week or so, week and a half, um, as we get up for the NBA's return. This hurts Zion. I don't think it's going to really impact the most improved race a whole lot. That's basically, in my opinion, between Brandon Ingram and Bam Adebayo out of Miami. You can really pick whichever one you want, and I don't think it's a big deal. Ingram's got the scoring numbers. He's uh, a better like shot guy, um, but Bam is a little bit more well-rounded. His passing's a little bit better. His assist numbers are a little bit better. So is the rebounding. So it's just kind of pick your flavor. Uh, they're essentially the same thing. So I don't see that really being, uh, you know, that's done and you kind of can just choose. For rookie of the year, there was though a lot of hope that Zion would be able to catch Ja Morant. If we're basing it off of March 11th, this isn't going to happen. Let's just shoot this idea now that Zion has any chance of winning Rookie of the Year. And frankly, if you look at the odds on this right now, um, you've got John Morant as minus 10,000 and Zion Williamson is plus 1,400. That's not exactly good. So John Morant had a very, very good season for the Memphis Grizzlies. The number two overall pick um, on a kind of surprise team, team that's currently in eighth right now. Averaged 17.6 points per game on with seven assists and three and a half rebounds. He did it on 49% shooting, including rounding up 37% from three. Got to the line a good bit, four and a half times per game, hitting that at 77%. Played in 59 games. So 40 more than Zion Williamson. That's going to do it right there. They're going to voters at this award tend to look at the whole body of work. Zion. I will say, is a better player right now, including than Ja Morant is. He is a better player. He's averaging 23.6 points per game alongside seven rebounds, shooting a ridiculous 59% from the floor, getting to the free throw line eight times per game. He's also shooting better from three. It's on, you know, significantly fewer attempts, but he's shooting 46% from deep. We don't really count that. It's not enough to uh, overtake John Morant. This is kind of one of those. It's called rookie of the year. It's not best rookie. It's which rookie had the best season. And that's where Zion is going to lose this. He's going to lose this because it is rookie of the year. John Morant playing in 50 more games than him. It's just a better overall body of work. A more consistent body of work, I think. Uh, And voters are going to take that into account. John Morant's good. Like, we can say that. John Morant is good. He's led the team to a better record than the Pelicans. They're currently in the eighth spot. Memphis is 32 and 33. That's going to really, really matter, I think, to voters in this. Zion's the better player. He's going to have likely the better career. And over these final eight games, let's just assume he would have played all of them. He probably would have lit it up. But John Morant's going to play pretty well during this too, and it's just not enough to overtake him, I think. So Zion's not going to finish with that piece of hardware at the end of the year, but he's going to be the better player overall. We can take some solace in that, I think. I don't think this is the answer that Pelicans fans want. And we've seen this. There's kind of a precedent set in this situation with Malcolm Brogdon and Joel Embiid. Embiid didn't play in nearly as many games as Brogdon did. Embiid was a better player, put up better numbers, but Brogdon won it with a pretty Uh, you know, uninspired stat line that season. If we, uh, I don't have them up in front of me, but again, we've seen this before. It just wasn't going to happen because of this. Attendance factors into some of these awards. It doesn't factor into some other ones like defensive player of the year. A lot of the time when Rudy Gobert won that playing around 60% of the team's games or so or minutes that he could have played. This is one of those ones though, that tends to. And so I don't think you're going to see Zion Williamson win rookie of the year. He'll probably finish second which is still pretty good given how much time he's missed and how uninspired the rest of this rookie class was. But even though there were some good guys like Rui uh, Hachimura there out of Washington, but he's going to finish second. He's not going to win. It's honestly probably the right thing given the history of this award too. I can't really get upset about it. Love to have seen Zion win this, but it just kind of is what it is. We've seen what he's capable of. We feel really good about what he's capable of, and I think it'll be okay in the long run. Now let's just hope that Brandon Ingram, which we'll talk about this at a later date, maybe tomorrow too, can win Most Improved Player and see what his case would be for that. Before we talk to Mike Richmond of Locked On Blazers, don't forget, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from. Here Monday through Friday for y'all. Yes, back to five days a week, breaking down everything you want to know about the team as we gear up for the NBA's restart. I've forgotten a lot. I'm here to try and remind you of a lot that you've also forgotten. And also, we just want to talk about what's going on because basketball is fun and it is back. And I'm excited and you're excited. So tell a friend about Locked On Pelicans. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. And please leave a 5 star review with a comment it takes like 30 seconds joining me now unlocked on, on pelicans i've got locked on blazers podcast host mike Richmond. you can follow him on twitter at mike g rich mike thanks for taking a few minutes with me yeah happy to be here um are we gonna be happy during the bubble with each other though i think that's kind of like the big question right
1: Oh, I have very little emotional connection to the Trailblazers. <laughs> okay. So um but I'm a Carolina fan, so I guess I'll naturally root against uh. Yeah, you don't already have
0: the all the, the big Duke contingent there. Yeah, I mean they're, their
1: are pivot from all Kentucky
0: to all Duke. I don't like any of it. I know. They have it over like one season too. It's kinda of dramatic. They even uh Trajan Langdon, the general manager of the Duke guy. Yeah, I know. Um, so the Blazers are currently in the night spot. They're there because of playing two more games than New Orleans, having one more win, one more loss, despite the Pelicans beating them 4-0 this season. So that tiebreaker kind of goes out the window. How are things shaping up for them in the bubble? What's been different since the regular season ended?
1: Um, they're healthier, but they're missing anyone who is a small forward. Uh, Trevor Ariza is not going to join the team Uh for family reasons in Orlando. So they are moving Carmelo Anthony. You may remember him from not being a small forward to small forward, <laughs> and they are going to play two seven-footers from what I from what I gather, 48 minutes. It's going to be Zach Collins and Yusuf Nurkic starting with Hassan Whiteside coming off the bench, but we're also going to see some Whiteside-Nurkic minutes together, and the Blazers are just going to be really
0: big. That's their plan. Yeah. I mean, so Melo made his debut in New Orleans this season and he's playing, you know, basically out of position. That's not where he does his best. So is that Trevor Ariza loss going to loom large throughout these eight seeding games? I see that maybe being more of a problem if they make it into the eighth spot, but that seems big for them. Yeah. They're getting those guys back and Nurkic is huge. So is Zach Collins. I don't know. They seem just a little bit thin on the wing, as you kind of mentioned.
1: Yeah, they were already really thin on the wing with Trevor Ariza. Trevor Ariza is a good basketball player, but he's also a 34-year-old adult. He's played a lot of NBA basketball. So they were already going to be thin there. They were playing him about 33 minutes a night before uh, the hiatus. So that was already going to be an issue for him, and now it's just compounded without his his length. I do think you're right, though. I think that's a pretty uh, spot-on read is that it'll be more important should they have to guard LeBron James. And I think because of the nature of the – one, one game against eight different teams, you can kind of get away with like a wonky, weird lineup that teams can't dial in and take as much advantage of.
0: Yeah, and look, they, you still have uh, the backcourt and CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard. Lillard, uh, you know, the fact that he's playing in this after some of his early comments during all of this has to be dialed in and ready to play some of his best basketball too. And that can take you pretty far, I think we've all seen.
1: Yeah, I, I've said this a couple times, but the the Blazers' best chance here or the best argument for them is they have the best player among the teams racing for eighth. I mean he's Dame is by far the best player of the of the teams out of like individual talent out of the teams chasing for eighth. They're not the they're probably not the best team. They probably don't have the best collection of talent, but they have the best individual guy. And sometimes in the league that's all that matters.
0: No, look, look what he did for them in the playoffs last season. He, you know, really carried them a lot during all of that. So I I think that goes Really far. He struggles against New Orleans. They've done a good job with him, but you're not playing them, so I think that kind of helps them. Do you think they they end up as that night spot in that playoff situation against the Memphis Grizzlies? You know, I am starting to drink the
1: Kool Aid. I was I was not a believer, but I have enough of these Zoom press conferences, and I believe. I think um, I think the addition of Nurk at full health, and they keep saying he's completely healthy, ready to go. No minutes. Restriction is going to be a big enough boost to make up for how kind of weird and gigantic their roster is and maybe really slow in transition. Another reason they don't want to play the Pelicans. Um, yeah, I think they're. I don't I'm I'm not sure they're going to make crazy noise. I'm not on the Charles Barkley, Chris Haynes um, train just yet, but I do think they are very likely to force a play game.
0: Yeah, I think you know they're in, they're also in the driver's seat of it right now. New Orleans just to get in has to have the same record as Memphis, but they actually have to win one more game than the Trailblazers do. That's a huge thing right there, you know. Right. Uh, when you only have eight games and we've got to win one more, it's a it's a significant difference. It's going to be interesting, you know. This is the team that they're competing with for it. I think it, the schedule is a little bit difficult, but again, when you like you mentioned, you get a lot of these guys back healthy that are key to them. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to kind of see how they go. Last question for you, though. So with Nurkic coming back, how has that changed them from how they look during the regular season so far?
1: Well, I think he's a little bit better like team defender than Hassan Whiteside. He's definitely not the like prolific shot blocker that Whiteside is, but he's a little better position defender. He's a way better passer. And his pick and roll chemistry with Dame is way better. So I think it's in general, it's it's just an upgrade. And I think, The biggest change will be that for 48 minutes a night, they have a starting caliber center on the court. Not something they could say during the regular season when Caleb Swanigan played a lot of minutes. So (laughs) it's it just it's just a a, it's a big upgrade on the front line for the whole game. And um, it's like I said, it's a wonky lineup. So we'll see how it shakes out. But I think just talent wise, they've made uh, significant upgrades since March.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. That's one of those teams that this really benefited. So we'll see him out there on the court coming up soon since we're gearing up for the NBA's restart again. uh, Mike Richmond hosts the Locked On Blazers podcast. Follow him on Twitter at Rich. And thanks for taking the time with me, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. So we'll touch on the Pelicans roster coming up here in just a second and also catch up on Niccolo Melli as we gear up for the NBA's restart. But again, don't forget, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from here Monday through Friday for y'all. The only podcast doing that to break down everything you want to know about the team. We've been bringing on a ton of guests recently to catch you up on everything going on with the NBA and the bubble. So subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. All right. So big news of the day is the Pelicans official roster came out via the NBA, and we now know who Sindarius Thornwell was replacing. We had a pretty good idea of who this was to begin with. So first and foremost, no Darius Miller on that. No surprise. We knew he wasn't going to be with the team, wasn't going to be playing during all of this that had previously been announced. And now it looks like Josh Gray is not on the roster. So there's no big surprise given all the media that's come out, given who we've talked to with uh, the Pelicans media availabilities. There's been kind of no mention of Josh Gray during all of this. He was at one point with the team in New Orleans working out. They featured him on a few things, but who knows exactly what happened. We don't need to pry on this sort of stuff. It's not there right now. Can figure all of that out later. They signed Sindarius Thornwell to replace him. This is one of the Pelicans' two-way players, Josh Gray, averaging 22.5 and a ga- half uh, points per game in the G League this season with the Erie BayHawks, along with seven assists and 5.3 rebounds. Did it shooting 34% from three, 40 per- uh, 45% from the field overall. It's pretty good. Guy taking 19 shots per game. No real complaints. Uh, for what he did. He played in two games with New Orleans this season um, where he at, got averaged a point and an assist and, an re- and a rebound. So 1-1-1 one, one, one for him. He finished the total with two points on the season, two assists, two rebounds, um, and didn't take a three. So there you go. Um, that's the big roster news. Everything else, exactly kind of what we were expecting. No surprise there. Uh, the Pelicans basically have their full allotment of guys with everything. So overall, um no surprises all right so let's touch on nicolo meli as we do our season catch up Uh, When it comes to players here. Melly was signed to a two-year deal. Which shows the uh, faith the Pelicans had in him. This is a guy they've scouted for a while overseas. That had been on a number of NBA teams radars. And he was waiting for the right opportunity to come on over. And he seems to have found it with New Orleans. This is a stretch big. This is a guy who can shoot the three well. Can pass the ball well enough. And give you just enough rebounding to really stay out there on the court. He's had a bit of of an up-and-down season. His first game looked good, 14 points and lost to Toronto, but really kind of could not get his shot going for a while after that and found himself playing fewer and fewer minutes as things kind of went on before getting a big uptick. He struggled with his three-point shot, but then... Once the calendar flipped to 2020, he's really kind of gotten his legs under him. Maybe it's just, you know, he, he needed some time to acclimate to just the different court, all of that stuff. Three-point line's a little bit different than Euroball. But since the new year, he has shot the ball very well. Since January 1, um, in the games that he's played, he shot 40% from three. Significant difference from what was going on with him earlier on in the year. He's set 36% on the season. He's really started to come around, averaging since January 1st, 8.6 points per game, along with four rebounds, 1.6 assists, 3.7 rebounds, and 40% from the field. That's up from his 6.8 points per game season average and 2.3 rebounds. The rebounds of grabbing one and a half more during that stretch is definitely a good thing. This is a guy who needs to be rebounding out there to do something other than just shoot threes. They want to try and play him alongside Zion Williamson. They really, really do because they feel a stretch big is going to be an important thing alongside Zion just to space the court for him properly. But it hasn't really worked, to be honest. On court, they have a net rating of negative 0.5, so right about neutral. With Zion on court and Meli off court, meaning he's got another big out there, the defense gets significantly better, and all of a sudden, they've got a net rating of 15.5. Yeah, there's a big difference there all of a sudden. It's a difference of 20 is the difference in the net rating there. That's a really big, big thing. Um, so the defense getting significantly better, and we've talked about how important that is, means melly has got to rebound or do other things to kind of really stay out there on the court and really make this work. The Pelicans want to play him. They believe in him. And I wouldn't be shocked if you see maybe, although I don't really think so, a starting front court of Brandon Ingram, Melly, and favors if we get to games and Zion's not back yet. But that's not going to work if his defense doesn't improve, and that hasn't been good there, and you see it bared out in the numbers. But if he can play some better defense, if he can consistently even hit more threes than what he's been doing, that's a big thing too. Then all of a sudden, this is a guy who can space the court and provide a lot next to Zion. And you maybe can kind of see that a stretch big next to Zion's really, really going to work. We think it's going to work. The Pelicans just might not have the right big man to do it. But they invested a lot of money into Melly. He's been playing better. Teammates love him. And he's probably secretly the funniest guy on the team, maybe other than Josh Hart. Um, He had an amazing putt on the golf course the other day day too and he's seriously enjoying himself and you've got to like having a guy around like that also big time coffee drinker um, said he brought his own espresso machine to the NBA NBA is restarting the bubble here because he says Americans coffee kind of sucks and I'm a big coffee guy so I kind of dig this um, I'd love an espresso machine in my own house uh, but having a guy that can properly space the court will give you those other things is going to make or break his career here in New Orleans other than that Not really sure. The passing's fine. The defense not good. The rebounding could be a little bit better, but give him some time. The good news is we've seen him improve all season long. That's a really big thing. He's gotten better and better and better. It takes Euro guys a little bit to acclimate to this sometimes, particularly ones that are 30-year-old rookies, which is what he was. So I think we can give him the benefit of the doubt going into next season. But if he wants to earn significant minutes out there on the court when it comes to this NBA restart, he's Got to get better on defense or at least the rebounding. Um, the shot we know will work, but everything else you've got to have so that he is not just kind of a, a one phase player out there. It's going to be big for him. I think uh, the Pelicans are very high on him. Hopefully we'll see it from him. He's definitely shown flashes of it. Uh, now let's see him put it together over these final eight games. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. Don't forget, subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast from. I've got some fun stuff coming for you later in the week that we'll talk about too, um, uh, outside of the podcast world with all of this. So as always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, and I'll be back with you all tomorrow.